You know I'm got you, I'm ready. Ten out of ten, nine out of ten. Chances of you not coming back for more than a slam, nine out of ten. I could just do the thing here all over again, all over again. Chances of turning my dreams to reality, likely to happen, my friend. Welcome back to another episode with the 19 crew. Uh, we are joined by a special guest today, but before we get into that, uh, man, what a response we had on that last podcast. It was, you know, only 30 minutes long and uh, pretty truthful and honest, I would say, in that, in that through those conversations that me and Liam had and um, sort of shared with you what's happening in our lives and, and moving forward. So now thank you everybody for listening to that and uh, we really appreciate all the support from that. But if you've got any feedback from that one or... Any of the ones coming up, don't hesitate to uh, hit us in the DMs. Um, we're always looking to grow and learn. So, yeah, I'll hand it over to Liam and he'll introduce our guest for today. Yeah, like Riley said, we've got a, we've got a special guest on today. Um, I'll do a little intro of him and then I'll let him introduce himself. Um, this, uh, this guy was an ex-St. Kent student, studied at Otago University, had uh, three years with Samoa Rugby. We had the chance to work with the under-20s and uh, the Sevens team, but also the main international team. Um, from there, he moved on to Counties Rugby, where he, w- where he was the academy strength and conditioning coach, and then later moved on to the sports science high performance manager. Jed Knox, thank you for being on today, bro. I oh, appreciate that, Liam. Thanks for having me on. Um, do you want to give the people a, a brief intro about yourself, something that we may have not covered? Uh, you've pretty much nailed the... Uh You've done a deep, a little research there. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, I was a little bit like, where do they get that from? But nah, you've kind of nailed it there. I think the other side is probably just uh, the the life side in terms of like a uh, little family that live out of Pocono and mm. a couple of kids now. So that's kind of that side. Um, got my wife, Lacey, and our dog, Woody. Um, and then the two kids, Arnie and Ruby. So yeah, from a bit of a bigger family as well. Um, Mum and dad in King Seat and then brother and sister that live in Wellington and Blenheim. So yeah. So we'll go. I suppose that's a that's a that's a bigger job, isn't it? The being the dad of a family, bigger than this high performance stuff. Um, and you've just finished seventy five hard, the first, uh, not the first phase, but the the first part of seventy five hard. Yeah, mate. Yeah, so took that on the um, head on the eighth of Jan. So that was a pretty big accomplishment for myself. Uh, mm-hmm. As you guys know, I'd probably enjoy a few beers. So as we did. <laughs> 70, <laughs> yeah, 75 hard, <laughs> days of uh, no beers at the start was probably the biggest challenge in terms of my mental capacity and deciding that I was actually going to go ahead and do it, especially mm-hmm. over the whole New Year's period and everything else. But yeah, it was, to be honest with you, it was a um, big turning curve. Oh, sorry, big learning curve in my development and uh, as a human being. Mm. as well as uh, the physical and mental challenges that came with it. Yeah. Yeah. What's sort of one thing you take away from 75 Hard that you could, I don't know, put on to someone else if they were looking at doing it or anything like that? Like, what's, Is there one thing that you'd say or one thing you took away from it that's beneficial, could be beneficial for someone else? Uh, definitely just the impact of consistency. Um, like I think 75 days of doing exactly the same things, um, even with all your trainings and everything that comes about it. And it doesn't necessarily need to be 75 hard. It is just mm-hmm. like if you want to make some changes in your life, what are some things that are going to help you achieve that? And then tracking them. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the key thing. I think everyone kind of has those life goals in terms of, hey, I'm going to start next Monday, but they never write it down or put it in their face or anything like that um, to make sure that it's actually going to continue to grow and get them better as well. Yeah, definitely. Do you think it's, <coughs> you just said it's important 
is it important to write things down rather than just say them? What's your sort of, do you have a philosophy on that or? I think it depends on the individual. Mm. Um, for me personally, like writing things down is they actually have meaning because then they're alive on the page. Mm. Um, and if you put them centrally in the middle of anything, then it's up to you to create them and make them alive. Um, and I think if you write down something and you say, for instance, put it on your fridge and you see it every morning, it's just going to be something that's going to be a friendly reminder of all the people around you. Because mm. at the end of the day, a lot of them have a bigger impact on your life than just you personally. So if you can get them on board as well, then it helps a lot. That's um, that's interesting that you said the people around you as well. I've noticed from, well, I didn't complete the 75 hard, but <laughs> from uh, attempting the 75 well, hard. You did 90 odd days of it. Yeah, I did 90 <laughs> odd days of it. Um, but like you said, like you touched on it, it um, has an impact on uh, the people around you. Was uh, was there anyone in specific that it sort of uh, impacted in your life? Uh, I think like quite a f- number of people. Like I've now got a couple of mates that have jumped on it um, recently and jumped on last week. So Nick Grayson and Jamie Reddish, uh, a couple of that. So uh, they've they kind of helped me support me through the the whole seventy five hard, especially Jamie. Um, bit of a positive influence in terms of jumping on. He was like, yeah, mate, like I'll I'll do my own version and jumped on and did like one workout a day and all those kinds of things and um, really helped because some days you didn't really want to do it by yourself so you jump on mm. um, but I think in terms of like my whole family now we eat differently every single day like we haven't gone back to old habits um, the kids now walk out and I was like go to read my book they'll walk out with their book and they'll sit next to me and open it up <laughs> um, I just finished doing a workout before and Arnie actually came out and was doing press-ups in the middle of it and stuff like that so <laughs> just that effect and like the greater world and everyone looks at you like even mum and dad they were looking at okay well how can I do something similar to then kind of challenge themselves and just things like that mate like I think there's an age-old saying you can't pour from an empty cup um, so when your cup's full and people just see it then it kind of spills over to others and it just has a general positive effect on who you kind of interact with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome, mate. Get your mic up, fella. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you daydreaming or what? Loves it. <laughs> yeah, bro. Nah, that's... Yeah. And, um, one thing that I also found was that people like in your family will hold you accountable as well. And um, I thought that was quite cool uh, from a personal standpoint was that I'd be going to eat something and, uh, you know, Bailey would check on me and say, oh, is that, uh, is are that you allowed to eat that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. Google it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good to me. That's good to me. Um, so moving sort of forward into obviously your, your work environment, how did you get into the high performance, you know, strength and conditioning as being a coach? Oh, that's a very good question, mate. Um, to be honest with you, I was never an athlete myself despite the fact that you're looking at me right now. 54 skinnies, by the way. Yes, boy. Yeah. <laughs> repeat, repeat that. What is it, bro? 54 skinnies, everyone. I, I came in at a whopping 58 too, so you're, you're on top of me, brother. Yeah. Nah, um, so I obviously went down. I was, To be honest with you, I was going to tidy up with TDM. I was looking to do an apprenticeship there as a drain layer. Mm. Um, and then my mum actually said to me, like, mate, you just need to apply for this course at uni, which was physical education. Um, so I'd signed up for that. Uh, then I like late enrolled everything like that and I got a call on like the probably the 5th of Feb and they're like hey you've got in and I was like oh cool awesome when does it start uh, next week oh. so then literally just packed up uh, moved to Dunedin jumped into all that um, fully immersed myself in the situation down there I was absolutely shitting myself moving away from home and 
the furthest possible place that you could go to university from Auckland. Mm. Um, but it was awesome. Like best four years. Uh, met Lacey down there. Uh, actually, it was five years. But the first four, just doing PE school. And then at the back end of it, I was actually thinking I was going to the green prescription side, looking after um, kind of like heart conditions and all that kind of stuff. And I did a bit of a placement. And the people that were in it didn't actually want to get better. Like uh. you try to help them because it was like diabetes and things like that. And you're trying to change habits and you're trying to do these things. And what I found is they didn't really, they didn't have any motivation to change. And despite the fact that I like probably going to die or there's going to mm. be some like health benefits for change. So then did another paper and it was kind of in the sports science side or the physical conditioning side. So jumped on that. And to be honest with you, never looked back. It was a full year down there doing post-grad. Uh, I think I did like three or four hundred old hours of voluntary work just jumping on different sports Jeez. academies and programs and stuff like that and absolutely loved it. So then, uh, yeah, from there it was pretty much set and sailed. Um, any kind of position I could look to to get into it, uh, volunteer my time or paid or whatever it looked like, I'd just kind of put my hand up and give my best shot. Shit. So you said you fully immersed yourself down there. <laughs> yeah. Um, was that fully, fully immersed yourself in study or you fully immersed yourself in the culture down there as well? Full honesty, first two years I was getting C's get degrees. Um, it was 51% <laughs> in my hubs, human body systems uh, exam. Uh, so yeah, definitely the first year was fully immersed in all the uh, multicultural things that you could possibly do within Dunedin University. It's great times. <laughs> yeah. um, you spoke a little bit about, and spoke a little bit about people not helping themselves through that do you find that that is a little bit of a factor in in high performance as well yep yeah it can definitely i think if people don't really know why they're doing it mm. um that can have a big impact in terms of i suppose their motivation and what's keeping them driven mm. um yeah so i think without probably getting too deep into it is it's if you know why you're doing it and you're turning up, it's a lot easier to actually just put your best foot forward and give it everything you've got. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those people with diabetes probably got a bit more on the line than an athlete, don't they? Mm. I suppose when you're in your time down there as well, did did stuff start unfold, unfolding for you? Was, was Did a vision come clear for you where you're like, oh, I think I'm going to be a high-performance trainer? Or did things just happen for you and it just, I don't know, how did that all come about? Yeah, there was probably one day, um, if I can blank it back, there's a guy called Phil Hancock down there, um, and anyone that knows the times of PE school will know him well. His number one thing that he used to always say to us was, it would depend. So, like, you go to an exam, and it's like, okay, Phil, got this athlete, blah, 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 this is what we're doing. He goes, it depends. And at the time, to be completely honest with you, it was like, fuck, mate, just give me the answer, because that's what we were getting graded on. But now, like, looking back into those moments, there's so many moments in sport and what you're going to do that are just dependent on what the individual athlete could do, um, what are the circumstances of the training or what you got around it and all that. So when he said that to me, I kind of, my brain kind of exploded a little bit in terms of, okay, I need to kind of go a little bit deeper with this and find out what that means. And then kind of that kind of linked me up to a target polytechnic with a, mentor of mine Matt Blair um, spent a bit of time with him and then the whole year just kind of unfolded from there mate to be honest yeah, it was awesome and then how did how did you uh, land uh, a job with Samoa Rugby 
Uh, that was Maddie Blair again. So at the time he was doing uh, little internships over through the Pacific. There was uh, ties that he had with World Rugby. So he had one in Tonga, he had one in Samoa and one in Fiji. And uh, fortunately enough for myself, I jumped across, uh, went over there for I think it was three months in the start and it ended up being uh, two and a half years. So <laughs> went over there for the first uh, three months and then came back for a quick bit and then they called me up and said, hey, we want to get you back full time and uh, this will be like your internship role and everything else like that. And I was like, okay, cool. Got over there and then next minute they were like, uh, the head SNC isn't going to stay. He's not coming. So we're actually going to promote the guy that's here and then you're going to be the assistant. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That moved quickly, eh? Yeah, so just kind of got a fully immersed there, right place, right time. Um, And just that HPU over there, it was awesome. Again, really fortunate time and it was also just a really good learning curve in terms of, I suppose we didn't have all the tools and all the things that we thought we needed, but we just made the best of the situation we had and, the lads over there were awesome. Like they just kind of put their foot, head down, bumped up, and worked really hard. Some obviously didn't as well as others, but uh, you still see them around the traps. There's a lot of guys playing NPC footy around here at the moment. They were in those groups, and when you get to see them and you connect and you talk about the HPU days, it's pretty funny. And those memories are only kind of shared with the the critical few that were there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. How was the living transition going from Dunedin, heading over to Samoa? Well, I'll be honest with you, I was probably 108 kilos at the start and I walked over there and the old boys just said to me, mm, all right, so they probably, some of them looked at me that they uh, old someone thing, the size two pig, and then kind of just put me on the spit in terms of making sure that I was actually going to be training and uh, yeah, so sorted my shit out there, living with the SNC coach full time and um, it was an interesting move because for the first probably year and a half, I was just living on top of the gym um, on a foam mattress. Uh, one fan above me, no drawers, no nothing. So it's a pretty humbling experience. Oh, humbling for us, but it was luxury for others. Mm. So if you know what I mean, like yeah. you just make the most of what it is. And um, I was fortunate as well when I was a kid to live in Papua New Guinea for a bit. So I kind of sure. got the experience there that this was still actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was humbling, but it was also like, okay, it's freaking hot, it's nice and warm. Um, only got my clothes stolen off the clothesline once, so that was good. <laughs> all my sample rugby kit went on my first day. But, hey, it's pretty valuable stuff over there, so they just absolutely love rugby. Eh? That's um, that's interesting. I actually never knew that about you, Jed, that you got the opportunity to live in Papua New Guinea. How did that happen? Uh, mum and dad, mate. So I was uh, would have been fifth form at the time, so we moved over there. Um, lived in there for a full year. Mum and dad actually ended up staying there for almost 10 years. Um, going back and forth and so it was fifth form, sixth form that's when I ended up going to St. Kent's in sixth form boarding school um, because the kind of school closed up up over there and then back for that with the two uh, brother and sister and then they came back in 07 oh sorry, would have been yeah 06, seventh form and came back to look after us and then dad stayed over there so yeah it was pretty awesome man like had a boat that you could go on all the time and play golf and (laughs) all the rules and stuff like that that you normally have or drink driving and those kinds of things didn't really exist so yeah pretty cool that's awesome um so i'm going going to go back to your your time with Samoa rugby um growing up were you you would have been a rugby rugby kid i suppose you would have loved rugby um you got the opportunity to follow the sevens team around as well for a couple of couple of campaigns is that right did you go to the wellington sevens and 
Yeah, mate. Yeah, so we went to Wellington, Vegas, uh, and Glasgow and London. The ones that I kind of jumped on. What was that like? Was that a bit of a surreal feeling? Uh, yeah, it was scary to start with because I didn't actually have a ticket and I was going to the airport and I didn't really know what was happening. Um, but it was pretty awesome, man. Like going to Vegas, bro, um, jumping on the World 7 circuit, like you're walking around all of a sudden in the hotel with uh, SNC coaches that you've heard about all the time. Um, at the time, Mark Harvey was the All Blacks SNC. Uh, Titch was actually still coaching then. Um, fortunate for us when we were at that tournament, uh, we went pretty well. Um, I think the amount of support that the Samoans have through the USA is just an unbelievable, yeah. um, second to none. So uh, they came through there, and I think we picked up third in that tournament and had a pretty good night after that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then had to fly out pretty early to get back to Wellington, and we backed up again in that tournament. I think we made the cup quarters again. So, um, yeah, it was an unreal experience. I think the biggest one was when we went off across to England. Uh, we took a big Alafuti Fausaliva back into the squad, and... Titchens kind of found out that he was hanging around the hotel and he was shitting himself, to be honest. He's like, is he going to play? And I was like, yeah, 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 he's in the squad. And he's like, oh. And if you, many of you know, just have a look at Alaforti Fasaliva on YouTube, playing sevens. He's literally the absolute beast. Steamroller. <laughs> what would you compare him to myself? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not me. Oh. I'm no steamroller. <laughs> no. Um, so you rolled. Yeah. <laughs> so at that time, Titch was the Samoan head coach. Nah, at that time oh. he was still with NZ. Still with NZ. Yeah. So did you get to work with Titch? Nah, no, nah, still. Nah. Thank you. Nah. Okay, we'll grab that then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously after, well, actually I want to hear about this ticket yarn. Tell us about the ticket yarn heading into the airport. It was just bad organisation. Nah, it was just. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. All of a sudden, just a packet turned up with my ticket. Like, I don't know if they had planned that I was going to go or it was a last-minute thing that I was going to go or not, but all of a sudden, like, I just walked up with all my bags and they're like, it'll get there. And I hadn't had anything and then they're just like, here you go. Um, and I think it was, like, probably just an hour and a half before the flight. So, hey, whatever happens in time, what happens, bro? It's, yeah. yeah, it's just one of those things. Oh, you got to foot on the plane anyway, you're away. 100%. <laughs> There's... Um one thing you touched on about your time with uh, Samoa Rugby was that you had you developed the the um, skill to use what you had. Um, mm. Was there was there sort of things that you that you think you know Samoa Rugby could have done better with that could have pushed their high performance? Uh, I think they did as best as they could at the time. Like um, money was always an issue, and it's just probably I suppose money going into the right areas. Mm. Um, and that's just guidance. Like looking back on it now, it was just guidance. And like to be honest with you, I was completely green back then. So I was just like, oh, well, you don't really know how much money is coming in from board rugby or any of those kind of areas and what it goes to. So um, from an administration side, there's probably things that they could have done better, but it's not on, it wasn't on my side of the board to kind of control or see. So mm. I was just like, yeah, make do with what we've got. That, that skill is, is a key skill to have because, I mean, I mean, just in life in general, you're not always going to have what so-and-so has or what, the, you know, everyone has. So you just make do with what you got. And sometimes that is better than what other people have got, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't know what's on the other side of the coin until you, you experience it. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, so 
how long were you with uh, Samoa Rugby? Three years, eh? Yeah, mate. Yeah, so just just coming up three. Yeah. No, I shot home. Well, you can thank LinkedIn for that little three years, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and how did the opportunity for you to uh, work with Counties Rugby come across? Uh, full credit there. It needs to go to Simul Satiti. Um, in my time in Samoa, I did a couple of tours with the Samoa under-20s and he was our head coach. Um, so I spent a lot of time with him. Obviously, we, when he ran the program there, we spent a bit of time in NZ. We went to Auckland and Wellington and down to Christchurch, just getting across talent and trying to get that through. So uh, he came on board with Daryl that year um, as an assistant coach. And then kind of they were looking for someone to help out in the academy space and with the Mighty 10 Cup squad. So uh, Simul kind of put my name forward. Um, and at the start, made it just started out as uh, effectively the same as what any player does when they walk into the gym. It's kind of... Um, voluntary hours for a little bit and a bit of uh, Tuesday, Thursday nights on a bit of a part-time basis and then it just grew from there, got bigger and bigger. And you were, you were doing landscaping at the time, weren't you? Correct, yep, I was with the old local lads landscaping, great spot. How did, you, um, how did you find that time, bro? Because it is a struggle to work and then also do extra stuff for free. Um, how, did you, how did you find those days? Uh, the struggle, well, it was a struggle in terms of just time and tiredness, but I think I knew where I wanted to go and I knew that landscaping wasn't me. Um, those boys would be able to tell you that I wasn't a landscaper's asshole. So, uh, <laughs> I think they were pretty keen for me to jog back on and get back into it. So, uh, it wasn't a chore at all, to be honest with you. It was just awesome and a great experience. Like I think every time you turn up and you're working with athletes again and you get to do what you love, it's not really a chore. Eh? Mm. Um, I did, however, every Friday night at about three o'clock, fall asleep, and wake up the next day ready for the nut, like Saturday morning. Yeah, I was pretty shattered by the end of each week. <laughs> um, I'll get onto this one. Eh? What skills did you learn outside of uni that only being in the job could have taught you? Uh, definitely man management, or not man management, but just connecting with people and building relationships. Mm. Um, However that's done, and it's going to vary between different people, is not no amount of reading a book or um, doing an exam or anything like that, or theory, is going to give you the skills from human interaction and getting people to be their best. Mm. Um, and it's different with all groups. Like As you guys would know, there's a lot of different personalities within a rugby team, especially within um, counties Manukau and people with different levels of... Uh, support or different family situations and all that kind of things that come with it so uh, understanding their backgrounds and how that links in with their ability to train or what they're expected to do and then how it all kind of intershapes and moulds together is a kind of big key thing I think in terms of being a successful SNC. yeah I'm still learning on that though to be honest I was going to say is that something that's you know you would have come fresh out of uni and you would have had an idea of what SNC is or high performance and it change it has it changed for you over those days yeah immensely mate like i think mm. when i went to samoa it was i didn't really care what the athletes thought and i'll be 100 percent honest there like um there was language barriers there's all that kind of stuff so i just played it off as oh they didn't understand me or whatever that looks like um but i think the age-old thing that i kind of got taught and i'm going back a few years here but nick ledger um kind of let me know when i first started at counties around the academy space like Players don't really know how much you, or they don't care how much you know until they know how much you get. Um, wow. Mm. So that was a big one for me. 
Um, and especially in my first couple of years, like I wasn't really an established SNC coach in terms of the New Zealand landscape. And all of a sudden you've got these big names like Jimmy Tupo and Paul Yassi Manu and Augustine Polu and Jordan Telfour and Shuan Stowers and Tony Polu. Shit, that team was pretty good in 216, eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you're up a couple. Coming, yeah. Yeah. Round of applause for that. Yeah. <laughs> coming back and they've got that kind of experience at Super and then you're trying to tell them what to do and like they're in extremely good nick already and then you try and have those conversations and I think a lot of it was me trying to prove to them that I actually knew my shit mm. at the start. Um, so not neglecting relationships but just trying to make sure that, hey, I could actually foot it with the big boys and let them know that. But then uh, as it's come on, it's changed a lot. Like I think now it's making sure that we get those relationships clear. Um, you got to have good relationships, but you've also got to be clear in terms of boundaries and what it looks like. Because mm. um, at the end of the day, you're still going to make sure they try to get as fit as they possibly can to play the game. That's your job. Um, and then so however you use those relationships as best as you possibly can to make sure that they're going to be at their best. And that's what it's all about. Um, players being at their best not necessarily you um, rating the success for them being fit mm. yeah some um, there's some good points that you touched on there Jed um, what's like can you just repeat the quote that uh, Nick Ledger said to you because uh, I, I actually think it's fucking mean yeah <laughs> uh, players don't uh, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. There you go, people. There's one for you. Yeah. Um, this is actually a question, but it can relate to you pretty well because um, I'm sure it's changed over the years, but this is off a... You'll, you'll uh, recognise this question because you'll hear it, but what is high performance to you? Oh, the old high performance podcast, <laughs> eh? Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> nah, mate, I think this... I think referring back to what I said before, like it's consistency with the daily habits or just you getting better. Um, in order to live a high-performance life or just the life that you want to do, is it's just living up to those day-to-day habits. Like you might have a bad day or a bad moment and deciding that, okay, this is going to impact my whole day or I'm just going to jog it on. Mm-hmm. Um, like I suppose nothing's ever permanent. So if you can look at it as that it's just another stepping stone and we can be consistently getting better every single day, then that's what it's all about. Wow, that's an answer. That's a great answer, actually. What, <coughs> what have you seen evolve in your industry of high performance? Uh, the players. Players mm. a lot um, in terms of their investment, in terms of, I suppose, their attitudes towards training, but also their level of education around it as well. Mm. Um, I think we live in like I'm sitting here having a podcast with you guys which will probably go up via Instagram and all that kind of stuff so there's a social network out there where you can find information if you want Mm. Um, and it's so readily available that people kind of decide that they're going to go down this rabbit hole look at it but it's just another person's perspective Um, and I think like a lot of things work but a, a lot of other things work better or like some of them will work well but if you're consistent with it then you'll just get better and better any day. I am. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I'm one of those players that will fall down one of those rabbit holes, uh, but you know, I try to I try to take the approach that I can understand myself. I know at the end of the day as well. I think that's part of um, 
you know your own your your own strength and con- and conditioning is that you know your body as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, like there, it is a forever changing industry, isn't it? Hundred percent, mate. Like I think uh, the things that I think we learn from the past, but then you also look into the future and you can find another rabbit hole you want to dive down. Like there's so many people doing great things out there um, within the research world, and then getting more applied as they go. So. I think there'll be a big push where there's a little bit more, I suppose, this COVID situation, um, people getting like virtual. Um, mm. So mm. online team builder programs, um, you can do a lot of the stuff like screening and monitoring and that from your own house. Um, and there's all these wearable technologies that all of a sudden will just kind of take hold a little bit more. And our jobs will, there'll be a people element to it, but it'll be a bit more man management in terms of okay, he's got this available to him, how's this linking into that? Um, like, for instance, there's sports scientists now, which there was never five, ten years ago. So um, it'll just be interesting to see where it all goes and how it all develops and uh, takes hold, really. Mm. Do, you think, um, do, do you think there's an element that um, of, like, science in terms of sport that, that uh, your mental side will push aside? If that makes sense, so like your your mental side can overcome your the um, the science based stuff. Um, I think at the end of the day, it'll be a big part of it, but I don't think you'll ever change physiology in terms of science and what, like how the human body systems work and everything else. Mm. Um, there will be a stage where you can probably blank a few things out, as there's some people that are just human freaks in terms of that. Um, yeah, they can just, I suppose things that weren't we thought weren't possibly physiologically but then they've managed to do it mm. so there's until someone else does it again mm. then that that's what continuous human evolution and yeah genomes and whatnot that come with it as well so yeah i don't know if that already answered your question but nah, yeah but it's interesting that part because have you ever heard about the guy with the the four minute mile the no. guy that accomplished the first four minute mile he um he was always being told by people that you know oh science back then was only um they were only able to understand that uh if you ran under four minutes in a mile your heart would explode that's what you know that was the theory that they would say (laughs) and um but he would visualize he would visualize the time 359 and um and obviously he uh, he accomplished the four minute mile, but then later on you saw four minute mile becoming something that was so common. So like you said, it's um, sometimes someone will break the cycle of what people think is possible, but then uh, it will make it possible for everyone else. Yeah, mate, hundred percent. I think that even those Broncos like Jordy, uh, yeah. so Bud and Barrett coming out and running a four thirteen, like or four twelve or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. Back in the day, if you ran sub five, everyone thought that was amazing. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. And so now we all know it's possible to do, so we all... Strive to do it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, what do you think makes a good player great? Consistency. We love the word consistency. Oh, like if I ever Get said... Consistency knocks. That's <laughs> yeah. what his name is. That's his Instagram handle, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd asked me that... Probably a year ago, two years ago, it would have been completely different. But right now it's just someone that's literally 
they don't have to be the most talented in the world, but they've got mm. the drive and the consistency to do the things that are going to make them better every day, like a continuous student of the game. Mm. Always Whatever that game. game is. Yeah. What was um? What would have your answer been three years ago? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what are three non-negotiables? <laughs> You're the high-performance man, so we've got to throw these. Yeah. You love these, eh? <laughs> what are three non-negotiables when it comes to high performance? Well, number one, we've kind of talked about it about ten times already, but consistency. Mm. Yeah, just whatever that is and how you do it. Um, you've got to be willing to work hard. Um, nothing comes without the fruits of your labour, like so to speak. Um, and probably one that would come again would either cl- close second or so close third between the two of them would be courage and uh, connectedness. So I think if you're on a shared journey towards something, connectedness can go a long way. Mm. But you've also got to have the courage to step out and do something. Yeah. Yeah. I think courage is massive. Mm. I think for you, what's what is what's what do you think three non-negotiable non- for high performance, Liam? Um, I don't know if you've heard this, but the, I'd say consistency. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I yeah, I'd say consistency. Um, a growth mindset. So like you, you'd always um. Looking for more. Looking for more. And I suppose what falls under growth mindset is like your humility as well. You have to be, you have to ground yourself and put your ego aside to be able to have a, to have growth. Um, mm. And then, I don't know what the third one is. So you did well to answer that on the spot, bro. Mm. Thanks, man. Well done, Jeet. He's been listening to the high What about you, Riley? <laughs> yeah. uh, I think <coughs> one thing for me is honesty, definitely for you to yourself. Like you've got to be honest. You've got to make an honest effort mm. to you, and you've got to be like honest, even just counting reps, little things like that with your eating, anything like that. I think that comes under high performance. If you want to compete with the best, you've got to do everything you, that you can control and your power to to be the best. Um, that's one definitely. I think I don't know if you've heard that consistency probably comes under there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think and and just overall mindset overall mindset as in just probably covers a broad broad range of things mm-hmm. um but yeah you gotta be you gotta be driven 100 percent. what's um what, what's your vision for counties in terms of high performance that's a very good question mate um i think personally it's bigger than me um there's a big crew there at the moment um so we've got a high performance manager chad uh we've got Peter Shaw, who's got a new role, and forgive me, I don't remember what it is, but he has assistant SNC, but he's also taking care of the high performance pathway for the women's now, mm-hmm. um, and he's one of our assist, uh, academy SNC coach. Uh, we've obviously got Ree coming on board as director of rugby, um, and still as head coach, um, and then we've got the likes of Richie Harris as assistant, um, Chalky, Jared Stevenson as our physio, and Leah Dickey as the analyst. So, it's I think. There's a kind of a crux of people there um, that are building something um, and it will be something that kind of connects us to what counties is um, in a high performance pathway and we want something that's kind of going to be left behind for a long period of time. So I think 
if you look at it from under 15s, under 14s, and you start your pathway and your journey towards um, wearing the hoops, then how do you develop that and part on that journey? So there's touch points that it's actually, when they get there, there's a real pride and presence in wearing that jersey and a real connectedness with it as well. And that's on both sides of it, the women's game and the men's game. So, um, yeah, again, I think from the high-performance side, it's not like the be one end or in terms of, I suppose, being the fittest, strongest, fastest athletes within it, but it's just a real connectedness and striving to get a greater connection with the community and what we do. I like how you said <coughs> it's bigger than me. Um, I think when you're working towards something that's bigger than yourself, it creates an environment. It, doesn't, it does create an environment, but it gives you a sense of something to work for that's, that is bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think is even in culture in a team or anything like that, if you've got something that's bigger than yourself and you're working towards something all together, um, I think it's hard to stop. And that, that vision is, is something that's like there's no really end part to it like it's mm. always so it's that's that's when it's a good vision because it's even when you start getting connected with everyone everyone starts ke- getting connected then you want to find the next part of it the next part of it so yeah i like i i, I like that vision jed and i like that it's not about the people that are there at the moment or yourself you know it's bigger than yourself mm-hmm. so well hopefully we can do that 100% mate, got to start somewhere Yeah bro, yeah bro <laughs> Absolutely Well Jedi Actually I just I was going to do a quick fire here I've got a couple of questions for you Just to wrap it up, nothing too serious But nothing too um, funny But where did you get your name Cecil from? Uh, yep So that one was <laughs> Uh Went down to rhythm, yeah. Went down to rhythm and vines a few years ago, um, yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, at the same time, we've already talked about the rig back in the day. But Ben Bigler and uh, Liam Dunn were part of it, so they went down, and those two were like two uh, two Rams, mate. Peak physical conditioning and everything else, and they went nuts at rhythm and vines, and neither of them kind of uh, tagged a lass. Um, fortunately, myself, I managed to tag one, so. We then went up to Arda Murray and uh, we stayed with um, oh, Rosie. We stayed with Rosie there for a bit. And we're, yeah, Mark Rose. Yeah, old Rosie. And then we jumped on this boat and there's this old dude there and he's just. we told him the story about it all and he goes, ah, oh, Cecil the Ram. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is this going on about? <laughs> so I did a bit of research, but it turns out it goes back to the Foot Rock Flats days where... Uh-huh. There was um, two rams that were kind of buck everywhere and then Cecil the ram was just a sneaky little bugger that would go around and check out all the ewes and spread a seed. So that's how it kind of stuck from yeah. there and it's kind of never really left me, to be honest. Does Lacey know the story? Yeah, yep, she does. Yeah, No secrets there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Honesty is key. Yeah. There's no editing on these podcasts, yeah. bro. We just chuck out. <laughs> um... Where do you see yourself in five years? That is another very good question. Um, sh- work goals, mate, just at the moment, I'm just taking it piece by piece. Um, I want to get, obviously, as far as I can in the strength conditioning field and continue working in that. Um, whether that's super rugby or whether that's all backs or something, that's not really anything in my control. 
Um, so just continually trying to get better as a SNC coach and develop how I do that. Uh, on the other side of it, student loan, be gone within five years would be unreal. Um, and definitely the kids both at school, which would be outstanding. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of freedom there, mate. Have you still got a student loan? Aren't you on like 300k a year oh, and you're still yeah. taking over yeah. student loan? Yeah. <laughs> Hard task, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's one thing you want to learn this year? Um, I think probably the number one thing. There's a book I'm reading at the moment, uh, The Champion's Mind. Um, yeah, you guys have heard of it. Um, that's actually Rion put us on too. So... I think there's a few things on there at the moment that I just want to kind of learn a little bit more about. Mm. Um, and that's probably the mental side around, I suppose, visualization and like little coping strategies and things like that that can help either people I'm working with or myself. Um, within that, like we work in high pressure environments and at times when, hey, for instance, bubs might be sleep not sleeping so well and you have a bit of a broken night's sleep and you come to work and some athletes get a bit snappy at you and you snap back at them. So um, probably some coping strategies for just how to do my job better in that area mm. um, would be a bit of a growth thing for me. Um, and just being really consistent with that, that number one keyword um, and how I interact with people and get the best out of them and keep that cup full. Yeah, we love it. We love it. We do love it. <laughs> do, you, do you have any, uh, when you're in a high pressure situation, do you have anything that, Will pull you out of that situation like a breathing technique or a word a safe word that you say to yourself or anything like that uh or is that what you're trying to develop at the moment yeah so probably a key word that comes to mind straight away it is what it is mm. um because typically it's <laughs> good that one yeah typically it's not something that i've like in a high pressure thing it's um something outside of my controls happened yeah and then so that's triggered me and it is, is what it is like it's not permanent it's not a fixed situation just be the eternal optimist, I suppose, in terms of how you look at it and go, hey, it's an obstacle, but it is what it is. Let's get over it and find a way to get better at it. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Actually, can I take that back from that comment before? <laughs> so one thing I've probably <laughs> learned around that optimism thing is how I deal with bad things is really good. So I'm like, mm. I only see them as a, like, it's just another obstacle. It's yeah. all right, we'll get over it. Mm. But when the good things happen, I kind of don't, I think, as a kind of culture in New Zealand, it's the age-old thing of being humble and you go, oh, someone else helping me, someone else doing this, where I think we can actually take a little bit of the American side of things and like take credit for the good things that we actually do, mm -hmm. um, rather than just like plague them off or, hey, I was actually just my lucky day, whereas I actually worked fucking hard to achieve that mm. and take that on board yeah. and acknowledge that um, and be a little bit, not cocky about it, but... Just celebrate your own successes or the people around you. 54 mm. skinnies. Yeah, hey. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't have said that before. Yeah, 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 he let yeah. us know early in the piece too. Yeah, 54 yeah. skinnies. Yeah. No, you're right, bro. You've yep. got to celebrate your own successes. Mm. I think um, the other thing as well is we will dissect our, our the things that we need to work on all the time, but we need to dissect our successes as well because there's some... Uh, uh, there's obviously good things that happen to make that happen, so you've got to try and implement those again in your life. Mm, yeah 100% and I think one key thing that kind of Ty taught us last year was um, in a day like you only really have bad moments 
there's not it's like a bad day or anything like that mm. so within your day how you reflect it and talking about gratitude or like what you're actually grateful for and then you can reflect back and go actually today wasn't that bad there was just a couple of key moments that i lapsed and then how can we get better and improve on that mm. Mm. i 100% agree with everything you, everything you just said i think it, it gets looked past <coughs> when people you know when you're achieving a lot of the things a lot of the time that you want to achieve it's easy to look past them and not sit, you know, sit down, pat yourself on the back, then move on. Yeah. It's probably not time until times like you sit down and actually reflect on what you've done that you actually think, oh, fuck, I actually just did that. Yeah, you know? shit, I did good. Yeah, 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 yeah like, shit, I did good. You can actually, you know, take a breath and, um, yeah, congratulate yourself. Uh, this is interesting, this question. Uh, I wrote this down just because I, I feel like you would have a pretty good answer for it. It can be in any sport. Um what is your dream team to be involved in? Hmm. Another good question, mate, to be honest. Um, Manchester City would be the big one. Mm. And that's only because I've just seen... Uh, there's a documentary that came out on them, um, Pep Guardiola, in terms of what he does and just what they bring and their culture and their team. Like They came from nothing. Um, and then they obviously got a shitload of money from... Abu Dhabi and stuff like that but just the team that looks so passionate and what they do and then the rigors of the competition and everything that comes with it would be a real challenge in terms of I suppose making sure that players are on the field week to week and being at their best um, I think that would be a pretty exciting thing to be a part of yeah. I, was, I don't think I was expecting that I thought you might have went to like the NBA or NFL or something but that's cool, man. No, I've only just started dabbling in the NFL a little bit, to be honest. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, um, you said some good good things. You answered it pretty well as well because I noticed that you said the challenges, you, you highlighted the challenges that would um, that you'd face in that in that role rather than the money you'd get in that role. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. Yeah, both are true. Yeah. But um, it's definitely the challenge that you got to seek, eh? Yeah, mate, yeah. Yeah, it's just there. Uh, forever process of getting better if the money is what you're chasing then you're in the wrong gig mm. Mm. and um uh in your own opinion would you say riley and i are uh a high performers definitely get in there mate <laughs> definitely get in there we'll wait till we do your skinnies <laughs> <laughs> uh, those would be low boy i'll tell you what yeah, i'm a bit hey. of a rakesy at the moment <laughs> yeah. um what's one bit of advice you would give to a young young or up-and-coming athlete uh don't pigeonhole yourself so don't fully specialize in one sport one position anything like that try to grow yourself in terms of experiencing different things playing different sports they'll give you you'll interact with different people um if you get to the higher levels within those sports you'll interact with different snc coaches different coaches which will actually help you grow in other areas as well and give you diversified um knowledge and feedback so that you can then filter it yourself in your own system and then be a i suppose a give you more tools to be a better athlete um mm. so i think quite a lot of us kind of get pigeonholed quite early mm. um because of our physical characteristics or mental attitude or whatever it looks like um but nothing's permanent everyone kind of changes and evolves so however you use those tools to get better earlier the greater opportunities you'll have nice and uh, <clears throat> the last question, bro. You've done well. Um, 
what's your definition of success that is another one um are we talking like footy? Are we talking high performance sport? Are we talking life? Are we what are we talking here? I think success, just success in general, life. Life. Um, if we're putting it in the simplest terms, because I feel like they they can translate yeah. into like, yeah, all your, those areas. Life your success, yeah. yeah. Okay. Simplest terms is, I think, having kids was a humbling experience and being around to see them grow and get better. Um, so success for me is just literally being a dad or getting up every day and having an opportunity to grow um if we put it right back yeah getting those connections and yeah another day on this earth to get better and do what you do 100 mm. mm. percent. nice bro that pretty much wraps up <coughs> that was a um quick fire quick fire question so that went really quickly um do you, <laughs> do you want a famous last words jed for anyone leave anything out there for the people no nah, i'm good mate i really appreciate the opportunity to come on board though um i think just listening to you guys today i listened to your podcast just because i was like shit what am i getting myself in yeah. for? um i think just yeah you guys are doing things that are slightly outside your comfort zone um leaving your little islands behind and trying to venture to a new island where there's going to be storms and stuff like that. And I think you guys have got a few of the tools that you can see past those storms and keep swimming and get to that island and see those new fruits. But I think just those kind of messages that you're passing on to others, it's pretty unreal and, yeah, good on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Brent. Hopefully we pick up a few more tools in the storm and then we'll be away, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah hopefully the boat doesn't sink. Yeah, I'll be jumping onto Liam's. <laughs> There's no anchor on these baits, bro. <laughs> <laughs> they just go, boy. They go. Nah, thanks for that, Jed. Thanks for um, coming out today, uh, out tonight, I should say. Mm. Um, I know you're nervous coming into this, and bro, I was, I was, uh, I'm blown away with some of the answers to the questions that you've given us. Yeah. And um, best of luck for uh, for your future endeavors as well, bro. I look forward to um, obviously working alongside you as well. During that and um and yeah, best of luck. Yeah, hundred percent. You couldn't have said that any better, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for uh thanks for tuning in to another episode. We uh, hope you enjoyed that. Here's ya. <laughs> Peace. Chances are you not coming back for more than slam. Nine out of ten. I could just do the single hand all over again, all over again. Chances are turning my dreams to reality, likely to happen, my friend. Yeah. I sort of was just like sitting here, just like listening, and I was like.